0: To us. Fires, touchdown Miami! Waddle, snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get
1: that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up Dolph fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your team. Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? Night one, night two, I should say, of the draft is in the books. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it's our first of two post-draft podcasts. We have a pick, we'll break down Channing Tyndall's game, the production, the scouting reports, everything you need to know about Miami's newest linebacker, plus We'll hear from Channing Tindall and his post-pick presser. Say that five times fast. We'll also hear from Chris Greer and his post-pick presser and talk about the draft so far and look ahead at day three from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. So we had to wait a little while. Pick 102, the very back end of the Friday night portion of the draft about four, four and a half hours watching some of the stuff before we get our first Miami Dolphin after a whole night on Thursday night, which we'll cover here in just one second. But the Dolphins made Georgia linebacker Channing Tyndall pick 102 and their very first pick here in Las Vegas Friday night of the weekend. And the 2021 season played out really, really ideally for Channing Tyndall. He came into the season without having played 100 snaps in a single season on the Georgia defense, and he seized a significant role in the middle of that defense for one of college football's all-time great defenses, and you watch the way he and N'Kobe Dean played together. It was like sweet, sweet symphony watching those guys, with the physicality, the speed, and the instincts they played with, and they became national champions, and a you know third-round pick for Tyndall after that breakout season with a career best in sacks with 5.5, tackles in 67, and tackles for loss. With seven and a half. And we'll play the audio from GM Chris Greer here in just a little bit that goes into this more in detail. But as described by the Georgia football staff themselves, and this came from the Dane Brugler, the beast on The Athletic, his great draft preview and draft guide that he does every single year, he said that the Georgia football staff described Tyndall as a program guy and a worker bee and he earned a significant jump as a result in playing time in 2021, going all the way up to over 400 snaps on defense and a whole bunch on special teams as well. And all he did with that opportunity on base and sub-defense was finish in the top 25 in college football in run-stop average, coverage yards allowed, and pass rushing efficiency. He recorded 26 QB pressures on 103 pass rush reps. That 25.4% pass rush win rate was 10th in the nation among all linebackers this last season. His .35 yards allowed per coverage snap was second best in all of college football, and his 22% run stop rate finished 24th in college football. Those numbers jive with Chris Greer's comments on Tyndall's versatility, which we'll get to in just one second. The way the flexibility of Miami's new linebacker jives with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer and his system on defense. And look, it's not difficult to understand why the Dolphins were interested, right? Dolphins linebackers and defenders in general play these ever-evolving roles that adapt to the opponent they face each week and the ability to play multiple spots and multiple... You know, you can have one game where Nick Needham plays the slot for the entire game. The next game, he's playing single high free safety for 35-40 snaps. And we saw what Jerome Baker did in that Baltimore game, playing off the edge a lot in that game and really kind of limiting what Lamar Jackson's speed could do off the edge. Tyndall has that type of speed and that type of flexibility as well. And again, we'll hear from Channing here in just one second on the speed and physicality, but you go to the tape and the testing and they both show the exact same thing. Speed and explosiveness and both of those along with big time collision ability are showcased on the tape routinely. Check the play in the Tennessee game from last year. He had three sacks in that game, so there's multiple of them. But this is a running play to the outside where he is literally on the far hash, an outside run away from him with the running back outflanked to that side of the field. And he covers ground. And when he arrives, my goodness, it looks like a Michael Bay film. Like there is some special effects going on there. It's on my timeline. I retweeted it. I forget who tweeted it originally, but the credit is there on Twitter. Also watch the Florida game where he runs down Anthony Richardson, a potential top, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 quarterback in the future with great, great athletic skill sets in his own right. And then also check him out in the national championship game in the nat- uh, against Bryce Young and the Heisman Trophy winner spying and sacking him. This player is pure electricity, which is evident by his 4:47 40-yard dash time, which landed the 96th percentile among linebackers at this year's NFL Scouting Combine. His 129 inch broad jump registered ninety-seventh percentile, and his forty-two inch vertical was tops among his contemporaries. With a relative athletic score of nine six nine, you guys know what that is. It measures all the workouts you do from pro day or combine, your forty, your twenty yard split or your twenty yard shuttle, your ten yard split, your broad, all that stuff. He ranked seventy seventh out of two thousand four hundred and nineteen linebackers that have done this all time since nineteen ninety seven. 2,400 linebackers, 77th out of those guys. He finished third this year in special teams tackles for the Georgia Bulldogs as a regular on kickoff and punt coverage all four years there when he was in Athens. And you ask any special teamer the key to really excelling in the kicking game, right? And what do they tell you? The most important thing is your will, and it requires a mindset, a mindset that Tyndall just, he shows in spades. There's a great example of this. It was one of my favorite plays Of the college football season, especially of the National Championship game, he had five quarterback pressures in the National Championship game on 17 pass rush reps. That includes the sack we talked about and a hit on uh, Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winner. And the sack occurred on that crucial play in the red zone to get the Crimson Tide offense off the field, the field goal team out there. And it was just one play after this emotional exchange between two life Lot, long-time friends, I should say, and linebacker counterparts there in the middle of that Georgia defense. And if you see the clip on Twitter, it's it's really good of of the two of them kind of having a miscommunication and talking about it and getting it sorted out. And the very next play, Tyndall explodes and makes this big-time play for a sack on Bryce Young. Just that type of temperament, the special teams, the ability to overcome that and just quickly bounce back and move on to the next play. It's that mental wiring you talk about, which we'll hear again from Chris Greer here in just one second, that really pairs so well with the athletic ability that he has. And then two months later, I thought it was cool to see N'Kobe Dean crash Channing Tyndall's media availability at the scouting combine and ask him a question there in Indianapolis. So those guys are best of friends, but they also had that on field relationship that really provided the best results for that Georgia defense. Growing up, Channing was uh, born in Columbia, South Carolina. He was a finalist for the USA Today National Player of the Year and South Carolina Mr. Football Awards in 2017. He had Gamecocks alumni in his family, his mother and stepmother. He also grew up 20 miles from their football facilities, but he opted to go to Georgia and take his talents to Athens and play for Kirby Smart and that Georgia Bulldogs defense, which we'll learn here in just one second, and we know that too because he won a national championship, was a great decision. Before that, he was also rushing off the edge in high school. Keep a note on that. We're going to come back to that with Chris Greer as well. But he also lettered in track and field as a shot put and discus thrower Maybe he could have ran. <laughs> Sounds like he's fast enough. But even earlier than that, Tyndall played offensive line in Pop Warner and middle school football. That versatility goes back, 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 way back. So the 447 40 yard dash was 96th percentile. The 42 inch vertical was 100th percentile, the best among all linebackers. The 10 foot 9 broad jump was 97th percentile. And his 10.63 inch hands were 99th percentile as well. The numbers on the year last year 103 pass rush reps, 26 pressures. 15 of those 26. Where sacks and hits. On run defense, 167 snaps, 31 run stops, that's 22% of the time. Coverage, 204 snaps, just 72 yards allowed on those 204 snaps, that was second in all of college football among linebackers. Again, that 25.4 pass rush rate, 10th best among all linebackers in the country. He played 394 snaps in the box as a true off-ball linebacker. 51 down off the edge. They brought him down to rush the passer off that position and play against the run over there sometimes. 25 in the slot four out wide pro football focus had him in the 80th percentile or better in run defense coverage and pass rushing and tackling grades in fact his 7.4 missed tackle rate this year was the 27th best mark among linebackers in the national I should say in college football so that is Channing Tindall the 102nd pick of the draft the Dolphins first pick this year we're going to come back and talk about some more Channing Tindall and his press availability as well as Chris Greer but real quick I want to talk about the draft in general just a little bit here Just some notes I took down that I thought a big, I was the biggest fan, I think, I think of the Houston Texans draft because Derek Stingley is an absolute stud. I I thought that what he did in 2019 was as good as anybody did in college football the last few years at the cornerback position. thought that was a great pick. Kenyon Green has a chance to be the best offensive lineman in the class. Jalen Petre could be the best safety besides Kyle Hamilton, probably. And then John Mechie at Alabama. Love his game, too. They had a fantastic draft. So do the Baltimore Ravens, as they are wont to do. Kyle Hamilton at 14 is crazy. That's a great value there for him, and for them, I should say. Tyler Linderbaum, same deal. David Ajabo in the second round. And then Travis Jones, you kidding me? Great work, per usual, for the Baltimore Ravens. And then also the Giants' top part of the draft I thought was awesome with getting Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal, my edge one, and offensive tackle one. And then in the third round, love seeing Malik Willis go off the board there to the Tennessee Titans and N'Kobe Dean to the Philadelphia Eagles. Thought both of those picks were absolute steals. And how about those trades, too? This receiver market has just been absolutely crazy this offseason. Talking about Tyreek Hill... Devontae Adams. You even see Christian Kirk on the big contract. Zay Jones gets a big contract. We get the A.J. Brown trade to the Philadelphia Eagles on draft night. The Ravens trade Marquise Brown back to his former college quarterback and Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals. Just receivers all over the place, and you wind up with six receivers off the board by the time you picked at 29, or would have picked at 29, I should say, pre-Tyreek Hill trade. So six receivers off the board, and then we talk about You know, the Dolphins added a bunch of players this offseason, but the four players that were the biggest acquisitions in terms of cost were two receivers and two offensive linemen. So at pick 29, six receivers off the board, you have to pick just the seventh receiver off the board. If you want to go that route and eight offensive linemen were off the board at that point. So the ninth offensive lineman, if you wanted to go that route it picked 29, it kind of speaks to the dolphins ability to kind of have some of that foresight about how the market might play out, but also playing into account multiple draft classes, multiple free agent cycles ahead. Great work here. Once again, by the dolphins and Chris Greer and the entire front office staff. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break and come back and hear from Channing Tyndall and Chris Greer on this night two, almost said night one, Recap and day three preview edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Back here on a special Saturday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. It is the last day in April. We're taking a look at night two of the NFL Draft and the Dolphins. Lone pick on this night and lone pick so far in this year's draft in Channing Tindall, linebacker from Georgia. Let's go ahead and get to his media availability after the draft. He was pumped up, he was excited. Let's go ahead and go first. This question for Channing about the pre draft visit. He was one of the Dolphins' 30 visits here that you're allotted with uh, bringing prospects into your building to get a look at the, you know, get a look at the building, get a look at the coaching staff, all that fun stuff. And here he is talking about how much he fell in love with South Florida. I did go down there and
0: when I went down there it was uh I just loved the campus like the ability that it had there. I just uh really got in with the linebacker coach, just talked to the whole staff and I just felt uh I felt like home honestly when I was there.
1: And a quick follow up, what made you feel like you fit in so well here in South Florida with the Dolphins? The way they use their
0: linebackers is different. They use their linebackers uh every put them on the edge sometimes, they put them on line, put them at uh, Mike, Will, like they, uh, they're very versatile and I feel like I fit into that.
1: In just a moment, we'll hear from Chris, we are talking about the complexities of the defense. They play at Georgia and Tyndall's kind of growth and projected ability at the next level. As a result of that, learning a new position, here he is talking about how Georgia prepared him for the next level.
0: Uh, just coming in there, uh it's very business like at Georgia. So just coming in there and just seeing kind of like the culture that was already built there before I got there and just like fall camp. Like is it like my first fall camp? i was, I caught a full body camp and I was looking at the ceiling like, wow, like this is college. <laughs> so just with that, uh with the culture that was already built there and everything that was going on, like I just felt like it prepared me.
1: And we'll go ahead and finish up here with Channing, talking about the ability to pair being a speed linebacker, but also the physicality of the game. Here's the new Dolphins linebacker. Well, I
0: feel like they go hand in hand, especially with being a linebacker. Like I can, I know, I feel like every good linebacker, they in any linebacker, honestly, in the league, they running fast, they hit. So like just uh, coming with speed, uh, you, you ready to hit something. You got to be tough to play linebacker. You cannot be a linebacker and not be tough.
1: So there's the player we'll hear from Channing on the drive time podcast later on this week. Let's go ahead and now hear from the GM, Chris Greer, as he first talks about what drew them to Channing Tyndall throughout the draft process.
2: You know, when we decided to, you know, sign the inside linebacker groups and then bring, uh, guys back like, you know, Duke and, uh, E-Rob, et cetera. Um, it was because those guys are good players. Um, they know our system. Um, and We know what they are on and off the field and how they contribute to this team. So uh, we we're excited to have, add them back. And then uh, in terms of, of Channing, uh, he was a player that we had been targeting throughout the process. We met with him in Indy um, and really enjoyed our time with him, brought him down here on a 30 visit, spent a lot of time with him here as well. And, um, and just for us, it's the versatility. Uh, the speed is what we like. You know, he can play. He has the ability to play all three downs and play special teams as well. And uh, in talking to Kirby uh, Smart um, the other day again about him, Um, he was just talking about what tremendous uh, the speed and toughness and and the character of the kid and how Kirby really loves and thinks he's going to be a really good uh, player in the NFL. So uh, we were really excited to get him. We were kind of holding on, hoping he would be there. And uh, we tried to move up a couple times to um, make a move, and uh, those things were um, (laughs) uh, – People wanted to make their picks, so um, it was a long wait for us, long day, you know, not picking until 11.20 or whatever it was on day two, so it's been a long couple days, haven't been used to that.
1: Chris also answered some questions about the possibility of trading up or trading down, said the Dolphins did make some calls trying to go up the draft board, but Chris said that, quote, teams were not interested or they wanted to stick and make their picks I should say and also said that the trade down offers just weren't there for them so they wind up sticking at 102 and make the pick they were Channing Tyndall very happy about that and here is Chris Greer talking about why they're happy about that great answer here talking about not just his game but also his character
2: you know when you watch the film it's you know uh, it's a very talented defense <laughs> you know and and how they use him and and you know they use him to spy they use him to blitz he cut co- he covers backs Um, So just a lot of the ways that are kind of similar to how he will be probably used here in in different um, schemes, not, you know, as you guys will talk to Josh and et cetera, when we get going uh, into camp and into the season about um, his usage. But um, you can see a lot of things on, you know, on tape that would translate to our league and what we would do in our scheme specifically. And then we spend a lot of time with him, getting to know him as a person and, and then talking with Kirby and, talking about how he's one of those players that you know um a lot of kids look to leave school when you're in a log jam at places and you know they're a lot of talented linebackers there uh, at Georgia and he elected to stay and keep competing and and so um that character too that part of him really stood out to me like hey this kid just loves ball wanted to be around his teammates and do what anything he can to help them win and uh paid off they won a national championship so um Really, we really enjoyed getting to know the kid, and but specifically, you know, the speed stands out on film on on him.
1: And how important is it to have speed on defense when you're going up against a quarterback like Josh Allen twice a year? Or we talked about Lamar Jackson earlier. There's a lot of speed in the National Football League these days, right? So how important is it to counteract that speed on offense? With speed on defense
2: you know the way the NFL is there's a lot of speed now in the game and how it's evolving into a little bit of the college game where you're spreading people out and so uh, we have guys that can run Baker can run you know Duke Riley can run e Rob will tell you he can run you know so uh, we, we have guys that can run and do stuff and it was just to keep adding you know players in that, that fit the the mole of the mold, uh, the mode excuse me of what the game is becoming uh, I think it, it's important and uh, for us to have a guy that can do that and also play on special teams with his speed because it shows up. You watch him on kickoffs, punts. He's the first guy down the field and stuff and makes plays. So um, just adding a guy that can contribute on all four downs was really important.
1: He said all four downs. Been talking about special teams a lot in this process. Kind of a big focus when you have later picks like this. And Channing Tyndall with the first pick of the draft for the Miami Dolphins, can play defense and special teams. So a nice boon there. Let's go ahead and go to this next one. I love this entire answer from Chris Greer talking about, you know, in this portion of the draft, obviously special teams is great to get. But you also, if you look at a potential high upside guy, a guy that maybe hasn't quite reached the potential or scratched the surface on what he can do, then that's when you wind up getting the big time picks in this portion of the draft. And with Channing Tindall and what he has done the last four years and the progress of his game and where he came from high school and changing positions in college, you think maybe there's a little bit to go there in terms of the development or what he can become, I should say, in the projection. Here's Chris Greer talking about going from a different position and a tough defense to a new position and how that makes the Dolphins believe firmly that he can continue to get better.
2: Yeah, uh, that's a, um, a good point because uh, a lot of it in high school – um, For what was related to me, it was he was a blitzer off the edge rushing and, you know, playing inside and doing all this, you know, key and in diagnosing inside was he was learning that as he was going in the first couple of years there in Georgia while learning that scheme, which is a, you know, a complicated scheme that Kirby runs, as you guys know, being a, you know, uh, very similar to Nick Saban with their history. And so, um, in talking with Kirby, he was just really saying that, you know, how the, Arrow still going up on, on Channing, and that yes, he's taken a big step because now he's been in the box playing more. And you know, and obviously, with Nicole and Quay there, you know, two really good players in front of him, you know, they were all fighting for playing time, but he took a step and ended up playing more because he, he had grown so much. So, for us, uh, it's exciting that we still have a player that's young, was still upside to develop, and uh, we feel he's on a, a good progression.
1: So there you have it, Chris Greer and Channing Tindall in their Friday night close to Saturday morning media availabilities. You guys can find those in their entirety up on the team YouTube page. Let's go ahead and take our last break here and come back on the other side and preview day three today of the 2022 NFL Draft. All right, back here on this day two recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We are brought to you by Nation. And there's some good players left on this board. I mean, that's how it always goes, right? You can always find gems in the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th round. You know, that 5th round has been kind of a sweet spot at times. With Andrew Van Ginkle going all the way back to Rashad Jones as well. Bobby McCain and Jay Ajayi mixed in there. Some good opportunities on day 3 of the draft and in UDFA. But let's go ahead and take a look here at the remaining players on the draft network's big board. And I went and looked at the list and I was planning on going beyond the top 100, but there are a handful of guys still within the top 100 on the board. And we'll go ahead and look at those guys and talk about a little bit of their game because I don't think it makes much sense to try to forecast what's going to happen four rounds from now, right? Like seventh round draft picks, that's going to be tough to peg down. the The 125th pick is going to be really tough to peg down, but here we go talking about The top player on the Draft Network's big board is Isaiah Spiller. The running back from Texas A&M is number 31 overall. I'm shocked he didn't go yet. I'm shocked that there were so many running backs that went ahead of him. You talk about three-down ability, catching the football, pass pro, some big play, explosive ability. Isaiah Spiller has a lot of goods to look for there in that uh, potentially fourth round for the Miami Dolphins. Number 37, Perion Winfrey from Oklahoma, is a really, really good, versatile defensive lineman, can play inside and outside, really dominant senior bowl week as well, like his game quite a bit. 52, Sean Ryan, 53, Tariq Wollin, the very speedy, speedy UTSA cornerback if you want to go that route. Speaking of speed, 61, Calvin Austin, the Memphis wide receiver. Talk about taking the top off the defense around some of those slot fades. He can do a lot in that spread out offense there with the Tigers. Number 62, Daniel Falele, the right tackle at Minnesota. Could be an interesting prospect there to kind of get into that mix of the tackle position and compete for a job there. He's a mountain of a man. Uh, it's had some ups and downs at the Senior Bowl, but I thought the the overall block of clay that you have to work from is really impressive. Sam Howe, number 64, the quarterback from UNC. I like his game I think I mentioned him in the last podcast. I, I think he's my second favorite quarterback in this class behind Malik Willis. So he's got some intrigue there. At 65, Isaiah likely the tight end from Coastal Carolina. Huge, huge fan of his game. He is he is something, man. Got Quay Walker in there. He got he's got to go off the list. He was picked in the first round. Good player out of Georgia. A lot of those good a lot of those linebackers from Georgia are pretty good players. Number 69, Brian asamoa 70, Damone Clark from LSU. Kyle Krabs loved his game quite a bit. He had a medical concern coming in with a was it a surgery he had to get done before the draft? But he is, you know, a long-term project. He talk, or not project, but prospect. He talk about... The possibility there of Malik Willis developing and N'Kobe Dean as well with the medical that he had. like Still a good pick because you're getting a good player even if you don't get them right away. Potentially the, the possibility there with Damone Clark. Number 72, Khalil Shakur. You want to take the top off the defense in the passing game. This guy can get vertical at Boise State. Number 79, Brian Cook. Number 80, Carson Strong, the Nevada quarterback. Number 82, Leo Chenal. He went off the board. I got to take him off there as well. Number 86, Rashad White from Arizona State. Some good running backs, guy. All three of the running backs that I listed as my my guys and James Cook, I should say. Spiller, White, and Pierre Strong, all still out there. So if you want to go for the running back position, 125 could be a good spot for that, potentially. Number 95 is JoJo Doman. Number 97, Tyreek Smith. And then number 98, the cornerback from Cincinnati, Kobe Bryant. Quite like his game. So, you know, I think that the, the number of players in this range just speaks to kind of the versatility and strength and depth of this class. And there's a handful of quality backs, like we mentioned, receivers, like we mentioned. There's some offensive linemen still in there. And that's a position that usually kind of gets thin quickly. And it did this year a little bit, but there's some names out there to look at. Even though Cole Strange and Luke Fortner went off the board, two of my guys still have Donovan West as well as Zach Tom from Wake Forest. And he's a very intriguing player as well. So I, I continue to look at the 125th pick as a possibility for this team to get you know get better and get a player that can contribute right away and be part of your long term prospects as well. Now, as far as the seventh round goes and the two seventh round picks, talk about special teams and the value you get there. We talked about that a lot on the preview podcast. I'm not going to rehash all of that, but. want to go back and listen, we talked about depth of special teams and guys that can contribute from each position on those podcasts on drive time. So go back and check those out if you're so inclined to get a look at that. But that's kind of what you're looking at. You know, you can upgrade multiple positions for your offense and defense at that 125 pick or potentially come back in the seventh round. I should say, and come back in the seventh round and look to make a splash for the guys that can develop and guys that can give you special teams contributions as well. There potentially in that seventh round. All right make it a short and sweet podcast we have another one coming out tomorrow to recap three draft picks potentially could be more could be less you never know we'll do that on tomorrow's edition of the drive time podcast and we have content for you all next week all summer long all spring long ota coverage we'll talk to some opponents uh or i should say experts of the opponents we play this year we'll preview the roster going to training camp we'll have some sit downs with these draft prospects coming up this week we'll have the schedule release show for you guys Plenty of great content to come. The podcast never sleeps here on the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. In the meantime, that is going to be my time. Go check out the five things piece on Channing Tindall up on MiamiDolphins.com. We'll have three more of those for you guys written on MiamiDolphins.com. We get to make the draft picks on saturday as well in the meantime you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcast leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl you can follow the team at miami dolphins check out the fish tank podcast with seth and oj and our weekly twitter spaces show every wednesday at eight o'clock the youtube channel is where you're going to find the media availabilities go check those out and again last but not least miamidolphins.com until next time Finn's up, Caroline, you're asleep, it's late or early, but I'm going to come to bed too.